you are listening to the Moody Girl podcast with me, Emily Fazer. I'll be opening the minds of experts, enthusiasts, and storytellers, discovering their secrets on health and how to make the most out of life. Before we start the episode today, I wanted to ask all of you listeners a question. Did you know that a lot of people are living with lower than recommended magnesium levels? I didn't know this either and had never explored incorporating magnesium into my daily life until I started having skin issues. I now use Better You Magnesium Oil Body Spray when I get out of the shower in the morning and spray onto my feet before I go to bed. I found that when I had psoriasis and hormonal breakouts on my face or body, I would spray it on and at first it really stung. But this was a sign from my body that my cellular magnesium levels were low. The more I got the magnesium into my system daily, the less it stung. It made sense. If you're feeling like you could benefit from having magnesium in your life, I would strongly recommend looking into using Better You Magnesium Oil Body Spray. Link to purchase is in the bio. Now, let's get to the episode. Today I'm speaking with Dr. Brittany Joanides, DC. Brittany first reached out as she was looking into mesantherapy and came across the interview I recorded with Bushra a few months back. It was there that she introduced me to her work, specifically how she promotes a cyclical lifestyle, which involves living in alignment with your menstrual cycle. She has seen firsthand the positive effects of managing her own endometriosis symptoms through working with a functional doctor, changing her diet, and delving extensively into cyclical living. If you don't know what endometriosis is, Endometriosis is a long-term condition where tissue similar to the lining of the womb grows in other places such as the ovaries and fallopian tubes. Symptoms of endometriosis include pain in your lower tummy or back, severe period pain and pain during or after sex. I myself experience a lot of pain during menstruation so I wanted to get Brittany on today to discuss this topic in much more detail. If you are listening and you're enjoying the show, please do like, share, subscribe, and give a five-star review. Thanks so much. Let's get to the episode. Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Moody Girl podcast. I'm here today with Dr. Brittany Joanides, DC, and we'll be talking all things endometriosis. Brittany, welcome to the Moody Girl podcast. Thank you so much. I've been so excited for this. We've been talking on and off for such a long time. And finally, it's the day to have this discussion. So I'm really excited for today. Absolutely. Well, yeah, thank you. I mean, you know, a lot of these topics on today's shows, listeners, um, are very challenging ones and ones that a lot of a lot of people deal with um, and suffer in silence. So hopefully this space and this conversation today um, is to speak openly about it and to show you that there is light at the end of the tunnel. It doesn't need to be doom and gloom um, because I myself with my own hormonal uh, and premenstrual conditions have always felt that it's quite a dark space. Um, and of course, it really can be. But, you know, on today's show, I really want us to kind of talk through your your story and, and how you're in, in a much better space with endometriosis. Um, so, I mean, can you take us all the way back to the beginning and, you know, when, when did you first start kind of experiencing issues with your periods? Was it, you know, from the first onset when you first started or did it develop over time? 
Okay, how much time do you have? Because <laughs> <laughs> this is quite a journey. Um, <clears throat> so let's go back to when I was younger. I was quite, I developed quite late in life. So I was always kind of, I don't know, flat-chested. And I started my period later than my peers. And I was wondering why this was a thing for me. But it was just my own journey, I suppose. And I think I started my period around about 14, 15 years of age. And at that time, I was in a serious relationship. So my parents thought let's put you on the pill because this is what was going on. Everyone was going on to the pill. So I didn't know much about it. Obviously, I didn't want to have a pregnancy while I was still young. So I followed my parents' advice and I was on the pill for about seven years. But over that time, um, I didn't have a full-on cycle for very many, very many months before going on to the pill. So I can't recall what my period was like before. Mm. So it kind of only started, my natural cycle started coming back into action when I went off of the pill. And how that started was actually Instagram of all places. Um, I found a girl that I was following and she was recommending a book called Woman Code by Elisa Vitti. And she was explaining how going off the pill has changed her life. And she sort of reconnected with herself and explaining all the negative side effects of the pill. And I was quite interested because I've always been naturally inclined I've always followed that natural sort of life path um someone says go to the doctors I'm like no thanks I'm gonna go this way <laughs> so um that, that's kind of where it starts and I went off of the pill at the end of 2018 before then I actually went to the gynecologist and I told him that I was wanting to go off of the pill and he laughed at me in my face and he said you'll be back here in three months time and um I just felt very uh, unheard. I didn't felt, I feel like he listened to what I was saying. I was saying, you know, I don't want to have this. Is there any other way? And yeah, that was his decision or that was his advice. And um, he didn't listen to me. He didn't ask me any questions. He basically just said, you'll be back here in three months time. And um, yeah, so that's how I just felt like he didn't listen to me. So anyway, I decided, anyway, whatever you say, I'm going to go opposite. And I went off the pole. And I felt great. The first few weeks, I felt amazing. And then slowly but surely, symptoms started to develop. I started getting quite bad acne. My skin was beautiful. It was perfect when I was on the pill. And I started developing acne and bloating and just really weird um, symptoms, digestive symptoms. And then in the January of 2019, I noticed that there was some blood, um, some extra bright blood during my period. And I was like, this is weird because my, my period blood is usually sort of that brownie, cranberry type of color. But this was bright, red blood. So I was, I was studying chiropractic at the time. Um, I'm a chiropractor by profession and I was busy studying. So I was quite intimate with the body. I understood the systems of the body pretty well. And I started noticing this blood every single month in my, in my, during my period. And I started to realize, okay, where is this coming from? Because this is not normal. And eventually I realized it was actually in my stool. So it was Mm -hmm. coming through the wrong, through the back passage, basically, Mm -hmm. And then I started to realize that this what obviously blood in your stool from a medical perspective is a red flag. We know that that is something to take seriously, but because it was cyclical, I knew that it had something to do with my periods. So that's when I came across colorectal endometriosis, which is usually the different stages of endometriosis. So it's either depending on how um, infiltrating it is, or it depends on the severity of your symptoms. So I realized that it's probably in the later phase because once it is in the stool, we know that it's passed through that colon. This is how I understood. Obviously, I'm not a specialist in this at all. This is just my own personal journey. Uh-huh. And um, at that point, uh, I decided that, or I realized that I had something going on. 
I just managed it by myself. I didn't really take notes. It affected me during my period and that was it. So I was like, well, I can live normally. I could still exercise. My symptoms were quite different to some of the other women's symptoms that I've read, which is mostly pain-based. Um, I didn't have pain in my in my normal days. I only have had pain during my cycle. Mm-hmm. So I saw another um, gynecologist and thought, okay, let's, let's get this diagnosed. Let's just take this a bit more seriously. And that took me to, um, I think that was in 2021, and again, I went in there. I said, "These are my symptoms. This is what I think I have." She kind of dismissed me. She didn't say much. She did an ultrasound and said, "Your ovaries are fine. There's nothing going on." She wasn't a specialist in endometriosis, so I just I thought, "Okay, well, if she's not going to take this seriously, then I'm not going to take this too seriously." And off I went. Mm-hmm. I carried on. My symptoms got worse. There were months that were worse than others, and I linked that to stress. So whenever there's a bit more stress going on, my periods are usually a bit worse. Then um, I was speaking to a patient of mine who suffered with endometriosis and she actually conceived by IVF. And she said, well, why don't you go see a specialist? He does um, excision surgery. If there are endometrial tissues, he can get rid of that for you. So I thought, okay, this is great. You know, he's a specialist. He's going to really take me seriously. And that was in March last year, 2022. I went to him. He he did an examination for me and he obviously asked about my symptoms Based on my symptoms, he was quite sure it was endometriosis, but then he did an internal ultrasound. My left ovary um, was at that point, I haven't had another ultrasound, but it was adhered to my uterus. So that's just the endometrial adhesions and scar tissue that develops in the in the pelvic area. It can cause these, these the ovaries to adhere, and that's where the fertility issues come in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he, he didn't do any um, anything any surgery or any um, laparoscopic scope or anything like that, which is the gold standard. He did an internal um, examination. One of my main symptoms as well was pain during sex. So that affected my relationship at that point. And um, he basically did an internal examination with his finger and he inserted it into the vagina and he said, is this quite painful for you? And it was really, really sore. He says, okay, well, that demonstrate, or that means that there is um, some cysts on the uterus on the cervix sorry and then the worst of the whole exam was the rectal examination so I'm pretty open I was like whatever this is what you do every day it's okay you can do this and he did an examination um basically inserting his finger into the rectum and again it was really really uncomfortable and that was his diagnosis of you have endometriosis Mm -hmm. so I was like okay cool I've got this um now what and he was like okay we're going to do um the surgery for you and then we'll put you back onto the pole and everything went blank after that because I was like I've spent four years coming off of this and this is your solution and I said to him is there any other way that we can manage this? There, there has to be some natural way. And he said, if you can bring me the evidence, then I'll, I'll, I'll believe you. But for now, that's, that's my options. Mm. And I said, thank you very much. I left. I remember I got into the car and I just burst into tears and I was just like, okay, this is, I think I knew that I had it for so long for maybe three years. And mm. at that point I was like, okay, this is something serious. Let's take this a bit more seriously. So that was the diagnosis part. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. I'm sorry. I was just thinking about so many different parts of that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, one, thanks for being so open about, you know, about all of that, because it's quite like personal information. And I understand that. But I also think it's really important that people do hear how extensive 
you know, mm. those that testing and diagnosis can be. So, you know, if somebody else may be going through those stages, that that, that might put them at ease, you know. They yeah. may be feeling like, actually, yeah, that happened to me. I didn't know if it was a bit weird, but great. You know, Brittany did it too. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so that's the first thing I want to thank you for. Also, um, I think it's really, you know, interesting, I guess, that everything leads back to the pill, like, why does everything lead back time and time and time again to this freaking <laughs> contraceptive pill? I mean, for me, I have my own battles with it, where it sent me in an absolute headspin of really bad mental health. It exasper- exasperated my PMDD symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is just something that we're supposed to get used to and regularize our hormones. And it's it's just yeah, I'm I'm a huge advocate of of people kind of getting off the pill and and learning to have their understand their natural hormones again and their natural cycles. Because if we're just masking them with a contraceptive pill, how do we know where there might be issues, you know? Um and quite apparently you came off it and you know that's when you you realize that something wasn't quite right. Um so okay, you're at the doctors, you think you're getting somewhere finally you've got the diagnosis that's a huge step um but then you know you're probably feeling very deflated um when the option is go back on the pill um what did you do next so next i started looking into everything natural um i went to a naturopath thereafter and um she helped me in terms of diet and um, lifestyle interventions that I was already doing. So how I view my symptoms compared to somebody else is that I've always been health conscious. So I do know that when I eat badly, because of stress, then my symptoms get worse. So I feel like if I was eating a really bad diet all the time, I would have developed the painful, the more intense symptoms. Obviously, I had a lot of symptoms of endo. It's just that it it wasn't pushing me enough to do something about it because I never had that intense pain that women do experience. Mm -hmm. After that... She recommended um, a bit of a detox protocol. So I did a liver detox and I didn't really get too far with her, but I did open my eyes to the more natural side of things. I then found a juice cleansing woman somewhere online and um, she was she was really um, out there and quite interesting in Cape Town when we were living in South Africa. And I did her three-day juice detox And I thought, okay, well, maybe fruits is maybe fruits and veg is the option. Maybe this is going to help me. And I think I was just so desperate. I then did something really silly and I started eating fruits for three weeks. So I was like, I'm going to fix this with fruits and the sugar from the fruits is going to um, basically fuel me and give me the energy to really get rid of all this endometriosis. And I think I was just, as I said, just a bit desperate. So I did that and my symptoms flared up so much. Mm, so, I mean, I felt good. The juice was, uh, the juice, the three-day juice cleanse was great. Mm. But then afterwards I carried on just eating. I think I was eating like two or three avocados and bananas and apples and just fruits, mm-hmm. smoothies, orange mm-hmm. juice. I think my intentions were good, but looking back, it was really not a great idea. Mm. But that flared up my symptoms, and I got to the point where um, I think, as we as we said with the PMDD, uh, looking back in time, I think I've been struggling with this for many, many years, and I was struggling a lot with work. I'm a very um, empathetic person, so I really do dive into all my patients' health, and I'm like, okay, let's get you sorted. And I was struggling at, at that point with 
dealing with my own issues and working full time and being there for patients and having a relationship. It was just a lot of, that I was going through. So I remember getting home the one day from work and I just dropped to the floor on, onto the kitchen and I said, I can't do this. Mm. And um, my husband, who was at that point, uh, my boyfriend, and he he found a psychologist for me to see just in terms of helping me deal with work and just helping me manage that side because I couldn't fix everything all at once. I still had to work full time. And I went to see a psychologist and she helped me quite a lot. Um, we didn't go into anything in terms of um, endometriosis, PMDD, psychological issues. That was more just work coping at that point. And then again, through Instagram, that, that was the, the psychology side of, side of things. Um, but then we realized that we were moving to England. So we had to start packing everything up and the psychology kind of fell away. I also reduced my hours at work. So I'm, I'm self-employed, which means I can change my hours as necessary. So I started reducing my hours and just taking my health a bit more seriously. And then I found a functional medicine doctor again on Instagram. And I always used to have this thing about Instagram. I think it's all about who you follow. Mm. It's, it's I always used to think that I was like stuck reading crappy things and posts, but I think it's all about who you follow. And I followed, followed all these pages and I started changing my perspective on Instagram and social media. And I found this woman, she's a functional doctor and she does online consultations. And that's where everything changed for me. We had a lot of, we did a lot of work um, like this on Zoom and went into everything. She asked me, her intake form took me probably two hours to fill in because I had to go into my mom's history, my grand's history, um, all of my grandparents, uh, my parents, my siblings, my childhood, my relationships, my personal life. It went into absolutely everything. And from that, she sent me for blood tests. We went into a lot of emotional stuff from the past as well. A lot of relationship with my mother and then with my grandmother and that maternal line, because I do think that this does come through the generations. And I did do some research. Apparently, it gets a bit worse with every generation. Mm. So um, I asked my mom, actually, if she had any issues. And she thinks that she might have had endometriosis. It just wasn't properly diagnosed. Mm. Um, yeah, so then I changed my diet. I Also, this is a big thing for me, is I was vegetarian for a very long time. And then I went full on vegan for quite a long time. I wasn't prioritizing protein, fats, carbs. I was just eating um basically plants I was plant-based and that was more for ethical reasons I love animals and um I didn't want to kill them to eat them and so I struggled with that quite a bit but the functional medicine doctor kind of changed my perspective and she was like let's look at this as fuel and as the essential nutrients to get you through this condition and to manage this better so without her, I would not be where I am today. Mm. I started um, eating fish again and eggs. And very recently, I started eating chicken again, which is like a huge thing for me. Um, anyone who knows me knows that, you know, I was bashing veganism their way a few years ago. Like you are a murderer and, you know, <laughs> with the vegan movement, it's a very passionate movement. Mm -hmm. And I respect that a lot. But um, we need to change our perspective. And as women, we need that animal protein to actually help with our hormones mm. so I think that covers it um I know that I've sort of jumped all over the place here but I think that covers it no I think I today so so many interesting points in in there as well I mean one um I 100% relate to your story but in a different way um you know with PMDD I never had that functional doctor but 
after PMDD then came the autoimmune condition for me, which was um, psoriasis. And that was, and I feel like almost PMDD and endometriosis are invisible as such. But when you have something like psoriasis, where it's like, okay, fine, you're not listening to your hormonal fluctuations each month. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw in an autoimmune condition where you have to listen to me, you know? Um, And it was at that point when it was on my face and I was looking in the mirror every single day, I was like, okay, my body is now really screaming out for me to listen to it. Um, And I didn't find a functional doctor, although my mum has cited working with functional doctors and they've, you know, she's got celiac disease and that's really helped her whole kind of, healing journey through that um but I found a herbalist and exactly the same with you it was like this quite overwhelming you know intake um, form or whatever and I was just like oh my god this is taking me hours but for the first time it makes you look at areas in your life like there was questions like how close did you um grow up near a power plant it's just like really in-depth stuff, like same as you, like going all the way down the maternal line, all the way down the paternal line. You know, what did great, great grandparents die of? What did great, great, you know, um, you know, grandmothers die of uh, hormone issues in grandparents? So it was a really eye opening experience. And if you compare it to going to, you know, a GP or some, somebody where you've been turned away time and time again and given the same answer, which is either contraceptive pill antidepressants they seem to be the two kind of go-tos for a lot of different issues which can be looked at um but yeah so I, I I totally think that's an amazing part of like starting that process and even just as a human being looking at those areas of our lives and taking a review of those areas is really really good um but yeah and then I think as well like the kind of I guess, psychology behind it as well. And I noticed that you've said in quite a few occasions, when you're more stressed, this has an effect on your endometriosis. Um, And I've always felt exactly the same with my PMDD. So I do think that it is like a, an overall like mind body connection and even like when we're disconnected from say our womb space or you know never kind of looking at it in that respect and I think did you reach out first of all we were talking about mesan therapy weren't we yes yes we were and that's how I actually found you because I was on their website I found a practitioner um during my research moving to the UK I wanted to find somebody who could help me with some abdominal massage because I thought that could help with the symptoms Mm. and um yeah I found a I found somebody and that's how I came across your your profile oh well thank you and yeah I mean Mizam for me as well um so I found somebody locally and then obviously on the podcast um I spoke to to Bushra um Mm. who invented it which was amazing but that was the first time that I'd actually you know, sat down and thought about connecting to our womb space. And it can sound like anyone listening might be like, whoa, this is so super woo woo. Mm-hmm. Um, but as women, like this is such an important, like this is the core of our, you know, of our, you know, reproductive organs. And that space is so sacred. And I'd never kind of realized that 
without you know I hadn't really taken that into consideration ever you know and having that first abdominal massage brought up loads of emotion for me um and now you know for my uh, endometrius I don't even know if I've got it I really hope I don't I'm hoping that it's an inflammation problem but sometimes I just find it super overwhelming because to get a diagnosis you know a lot of people in the UK are like you have to have keyhole surgery for me, I'm like, I don't want to have keyhole surgery right now. I've got like an undamaged stomach. And mm-hmm. to then start, you know, giving me drugs and doing all of this, you know, maybe if I'm going down the line and I want to conceive, that might be something that we look into. But for me, I want to kind of go similar to you down that natural route um, of healing myself. And so Mizan was one of the the factors for me. I also did the juice cleanse as well, like you did. Um, and what was really good, I've, I've heard of this lady called Hannah Silito. If you look her up, she's really good, but she is mainly plant-based again. Um, and, but I think, you know, as well, I was similar to you in the fact that I went completely vegan and no refined sugars, no alcohol, no caffeine, no, uh, nightshades, nothing basically, but then it became quite toxic even trying to socialize with friends, you know, because they were like, oh, what can I cook for you? And I was just like, the list is quite, quite literally endless, you know? Um, So it became quite stressful. And then my process with food, it wasn't enjoyable anymore. Um, And then also, yeah, kind of transitioning meat back into your life. I'm at a position where my husband and I went um, fully vegan, like probably two and a half like in 2020 maybe just before that um and now we've started to think about transitioning meat back into our diet so we started with a little bit of fish last night I had a tiny bit of chicken but then I was like in bed all night like almost feeling a bit sick from it and thinking about the fact that I'd eaten an animal um Mm. and this kind of connection to that so I totally sympathize with where you're at um how you know do you find so obviously you know you said that you found this functional doctor what exactly were the kind of processes that actually you know made a huge change so you obviously you brought back in the animal products um you know with your mizan therapy are you doing that regularly now what would you say like your daily sort of routine or weekly routine kind of maintaining that um you know health I think it's very important to know and for women to understand that with endometriosis, as they say in the medical definition, there is no cure. So Mm -hmm. it's not something that we can take away. Even with something as intensive as surgery, they can take those cells and they can remove those cells. But if you don't change the lifestyle that got you there, then you're going to to have those flare-ups and you're going to have to go for multiple surgeries. So that was kind of my... My idea was to have the surgery. This is when I was really, really desperate. I was like, I'll just have the surgery. And after that, I will do the lifestyle, you know, um, tips and the rituals and do all of this to make sure that 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 doesn't come back. But then I just didn't want to do the surgery. The same thing with you. I had a, you know, my abdomen had never been, yeah, it had never been operated on or even touched. And and I want to touch on the mesan. When I went for that abdominal massage, that was the first time. I mean, it's literally my womb that is the mm. problem. And I had never put my hands on my belly to be like, mm. talk to me, what is going on? Mm. And it was such a turning point. I was like, oh, my word, I cannot believe that I've never 
touched my my abdomen you know mm. that's a weird concept and I know because I also didn't I'd never came across to me it never it wasn't a natural thing for me to do but now it's so natural for me to just to check in you know you can palpate over that area and when I went for my my mesa and my oh my uterus was a bit shifted over onto the left hand side so a lot of the treatment was to try and move and shift that over to the right hand side one thing I noticed and, and my therapist told me and my mesan therapist said that you might feel um you might see blood clots during the next few cycles. It might be quite intense. Mm. And I've had two cycles since and for the first time I've had blood clots uh, in my in my period blood. Wow. So quite interesting. And they weren't massive. Um another thing with myself, I don't have very, very heavy periods. So, you know, my symptoms are all over the place. And that's the thing with endo is it's the symptoms, not everyone presents the same. Like your symptoms might be different to mine, might be different to, you know, 10 million other women. It's not and and like we say, the pill, you have all these symptoms, but here's one solution. It's like mm-hmm. here's the solution in a pill, but it's like we all have different things. So um, that's just to touch on that. In terms of rituals and what I do every day, I do do the self-care massage. Um, Not every single day. I try to do that three to five times a week. The castor oil packs is something that I've been incorporating recently. Um, I think the whole thing with Mizan is to bring heat into that womb space and to just bring some, you know, I mean, with muscular aches and pains, you bring you put a heat pad over your, your shoulders to help with that. So it's just bringing heat and blood flow to that space. Um, I do track my cycle really, really closely. So I use a temp drop. It's a little temperature uh, thermometer that goes on my arm every night. And I sync that with an app. And I know exactly where I am in my cycle. Mm-hmm. And what I've learned during that is that usually during my follicular phase, so from the end of my period, to around about ovulation, I feel invincible. I feel like I can do anything. I kind of feel like a man, if that makes sense. Mm. As, a, as a young girl, I hated being a woman. I just really wanted to be a man. I was really over all these issues that I was dealing with. And I was like, let me just, I just want to be a man. And now I'm just so happy. Like I'm, I feel very, I feel like I have learned so much and I know what I need to do at certain times and I need to respect and honor my body. I do have a bad tendency of just going all in with everything. And I think that's where the stress uh, management comes in because I won't stop. And um, that's something that I've had to realize. So definitely calming down during that last, um, the, the last sort of week of my cycle, I do decrease my hours at work. I try to just exercise a bit less, do what my body is, is telling me and asking me to do. Um, the diet is a big thing. And the big thing that I changed, of course, was um, including animal products back into my diet. And But that being said, it needs to be as um, organic as possible. So maybe i'm not sure what the chicken was that you had eaten but mm. if there are pesticides uh, not pesticides but if there are any hormones in there and it's not organic that can cause a bit of a flare-up in the mm. system mm-hmm. so that is sort of a non-negotiable for me is having organic um, chicken organic eggs and organic uh, wild caught fish mm-hmm. so that's in terms of diet i also try to eliminate gluten that's a big big one for endo mm-hmm. uh, Alcohol also is a massive one, sugar, and then red meat, which I don't eat, but there has been research to show that red meats can make the symptoms a bit worse. Mm -hmm. So I follow a more Mediterranean type of diet, I would say. 
dairy is another one that they recommend that you do, that you do cut out um, for endometriosis. But I do sometimes have dairy. I'm, I'm not perfect. I used to be like you. Uh, you know, it was really strict and it, it played a role in my mental health. I would be like, mm-hmm. oh, I can't have that piece of cake and I wouldn't enjoy situations or birthdays or whatever parties or Christmas I would always be like grumpy in the background because everyone was enjoying themselves and I I had to make that mental switch that let's rather just follow the 80-20 rule here where 80% of the time I do my best I really really look after myself but 20% of the time I can do what I what I want to do and eat the bad stuff I really Mm. am a huge believer in balance and if you take everything away it is going to start causing mental mental health problems and stress and that's just where that cycle carries on um and then exercise as well is quite important i try to exercise according to my cycle and i also try to eat according to my cycle so there's some there's some evidence to support your hormones at different times with different foods so my husband is really amazing at this he is the chef in the house and i'm so grateful for him so we have uh, we have a cyclical grocery list that um he's actually made little notes on our phones and oh when he God. does the shopping he he looks he's like okay where are you in your cycle he knows where I'm at all the time so he kind of sees it coming when it's that luteal type of of time even though it's still a bit of a shock to both of us once that's passed I'm like well obviously this is what's going to happen this is what happens every month but anyway um so I think it's really nice to eat that variety by following my cycle he also gets a variety of fruits and vegetables and meats and different foods so I think it's important to just listen to your body as well and if something that you eat for example if that chicken that you ate made you feel uncomfortable maybe it's not a good time for you to have that so maybe correlate that to where you are in your phase or which phase you're in and maybe just note that so next time when you're in that same at that same point you know okay maybe chicken's not the best to eat at this time Mm -hmm. Um, but it's a very um, individual approach I feel Mm -hmm. I mean Firstly, I, was, I want to commend your husband on being so supportive and being an absolute, you know, incredible person for one, understanding your situation uh, and two, looking at solutions. Because, you know, I personally have been in so many destructive relationships where, you know, people will try and make you feel like you are damaged goods because you are, you know, you have health issues, issues surrounding your periods that maybe lots of other people and women don't suffer with. So one, you know, any listeners out there, if you are feeling like you're in a relationship where you can't, you know, you're not feeling supported with a health issue that's really, you know, damaging um, to not only our physical side, but also our mental health as well. Um, then you're in the wrong relationship. With conditions like this, you need to have somebody support supporting you. And luckily, I found that, and you found it too, Brittany. Um, and yeah, I'd say that's the number one thing because it can really exasperate things, especially with, you know, PMDD, and I'm sure with endo as well. And you know, we will kind of go further into your own journey with uh, PMDD shortly. Um, but you can really start um spiraling and thinking oh I'm I'm damaged goods I'm not good enough and already you're going to have these self-deprecating thoughts come in during your luteal phase anyway but not mm-hmm. having somebody you know in your you know Monday to Sunday who's going to you know support you and pick you up in those low times that is just an absolute catalyst for disaster so this is a message message from me to you and you listeners if you're going through this 
don't put up with it because it's only going to just, you're not going to have a good life living with someone like that. And you aren't going to be able to have the freedom to explore your health and look at solutions of making it better. So that's the first thing. And I think that is incredible that you brought that up. I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about Cytoplan, a unique science-based supplement company with many years of experience in nutritional science and whose emphasis is on quality of product. My medical herbalist swears by them as they don't use any unnecessary bulking agents. Before I found out about Cytoplan, I was taking up to eight supplements a day, all with bulking agents in them. It was such a relief to find out Cytoplan products are extremely pure. I now use them daily and I would recommend them to anyone looking for quality vitamins and supplements. They have a great range for many different health benefits. So if you'd like to find out more, please follow the link in the bio of this episode and check out Cytoplan. You won't regret it. I kind of want to know also a little bit more about how did you find out what foods were good um, for different parts of your cycle? So I haven't done my own uh, studies or research into this. I do um, follow a few people online who mm-hmm. have done a course in women's health in specific. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But my research also came from the book that I mentioned. Um, I think I mentioned it earlier. It's called Women Code by Elisa Vitti. I'm going to write and it down, by the way. <laughs> you need to read this book every woman and I feel like every person because whether you're a woman or you're mm-hmm. you're a man you are um, more than likely with a woman and you have women in your life so mm-hmm. please read this book it is a game changer her second book is called in the flow and that is where it becomes more about tactical living and how to how to live with your cycles. So in there, it's basically based on your, it's based on hormones and what happens. So if you follow the hormones, there's certain times, for example, during ovulation, you should eat more of a raw vegan type diet to help to detox the estrogens that do spike during that ovulation phase. And then towards your luteal phase, we actually need on average 300 more calories in that phase. So women will, you know, follow this diet from day one to day 28-ish, I always say ish because it's, you know, it fluctuates for women. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So women always think I need this 28-day perfect cycle. That is not the case. If you have a 30-day cycle and it's regular, that is your normal. If you have a 35-day, obviously it's on the the longer end, but that is also normal. The same with a 26-day cycle. It just depends on your own body. But, um. The book is where I learned a lot about what to eat during what phase and especially in that luteal phase to help with the PMA symptoms. Magnesium is also a really, really important mineral. I've learned a lot that with stress, that's one of the first minerals that gets depleted. Mm. So for myself, managing the PMDD as well at the moment, I'm, I've increased my magnesium by a lot to try and help. And I know that we've spoken about magnesium oil. Mm-hmm. Um, so I take an oral supplement for that. I also do take a lot of, not a lot, but I was taking quite a lot of supplements in the beginning phases with the functional medicine doctor. She also tasted my hormones, which is, I think, not my hormones, sorry, my, she just tasted my blood. We, um, with hormonal tasting and endo, it's quite, it's not really accurate. They can find, um, issues with that but we need to test on certain days so again I'm a specialist in this I just know that but um, supplements wise zinc is quite important because that um, helps to support the immune system with endometriosis it's a, it's kind of an autoimmune like 
some uh, issue with gastrointestinal symptoms and immune system symptoms. So it's really all over the place. That's why it's not a one size fits all approach. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think what else. So magnesium is quite important during that luteal phase. Um, your complex carbs are important to help the body just in terms of energy, because like, we do, we do have a dip in energy during that phase. And again, we need to increase the calories. So women who are on the same diet, from day one to day 28-ish, that's not going to help them. Um, because mm. during that luteal phase, they're going to feel frustrated because they're like, what is going on? And that's just because of those hormone fluctuations. So I think a lot of my information has come from my own research. And from reading those two books, it really, really has helped a lot. Amazing. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, something else I wanted to touch on is, you know, how you were managing your job where you say you're quite an empath and you were taking you know you wanted to make people feel better you're a chiropractor you know you want to help people which is great um but then taking that home and then also having your own uh, health journey as well um and then with moving to the uk and trying to manage everything and spin lots of plates and i feel and i was literally having this conversation the other day where I was thinking about the whole like nine to five, nine to six structure that we live, you know, if you're self-employed, fantastic. You know, that's amazing. You can make your life work around your cycle. Um, but for years and years and years, it's been this nine to six, nine to five culture. And I was thinking about it extensively the other day. And I was like, this was obviously designed by a man, wasn't it? Because <laughs> this is not okay for women like you know this is why you'll see um you know women afab individuals um in office environments having meltdowns and then people saying oh she's a little bit hysterical today or you know uh oh she you know she's not on her game today or why are you so forgetful um you know i thought we were supposed to have this done a week ago or blah 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 but just giving people space to follow our cycles and you know I'm in my luteal phase right now a week before my period um I had quite a low mood yesterday um and just kind of going out and doing some yoga for an hour completely shifted that mood for me which was amazing um and then just seeing a friend straight after and and grabbing like one single drink and laughing was amazing and I woke up today and was like great I feel rested um but, you know, for so many people, I think they're living this existence where they're constantly feeling bad about themselves because they're not performing like their peers. And that's obviously for you. You decided, OK, this isn't working for me. It's not working for my health. I'm not showing up fully for my patients because I'm sacrificing my health. And you made that decision to cut your hours, which I think is a really it's a really bold and reasonable and realistic thing to do and that's what I feel like so many unless you're I feel like the kind of common misconception is unless you've got children you can't really go part-time um so it's just like oh do you not want a career or um oh okay like what are you doing other than that then you know but it's like well what about if I'm just trying to look after myself in this situation what if like I'm struggling with the way that my mood fluctuations and my cycle is happening each month you know are you having to go through this as a male no you know and of course 
you know, there's other situations, you know, and, and I've spoken to a lot of amazing men on my podcast and this isn't all for like, you know, just women, but it is something that I'm thinking about a lot. And I'm just thinking there needs to be more flexibility in work situations because that is a huge, like, you know, red flashing light of terror for so many women, you know? Definitely. Um, if I can just say that there's been some, I think it was in China somewhere. Mm. I, I don't want to. I, I read this. I read this too. Yeah. yeah, they're actually giving women a menstrual leave day, which I think mm. is fantastic. Um, that's. But the the thing is, because of how we've been um, conditioned, we believe that we can do what the men can do, and I think that's what I struggled with a long time. Is I always wanted to be one of the boys. Mm. I wanted to be as strong and as fast and as perfect as what they were and wake up with energy every day I know that's not for every male but that's with a really healthy man that's what it looks like for them they wake up and I think this is where that um, circadian rhythm comes in because we have a circadian rhythm but in the book you'll also see that we have an infradian rhythm as well which is our cycle and um, we need to honor that and we need to make changes for that so for example I'm in my follicular phase now and I know that um I have um, abstracted my diary in a way where I can see someone in the beginning or at the end if I need to squeeze them in. But that's at my own discretion. So if someone can't go online and book an appointment with me, I, I can do that. So next week I'm working extra because I've got that energy. But I think it comes down to working smart and not hard because I I treat myself as a, a boy. in Not a boy, I, I don't like comparing the genders at all. But I treat myself as more energy I've, I can do this I can take on more stress my body is more resilient to stress in that first half of my cycle when I get to that second half that's when again the PMDD starts to come in and this is what I've realized over time is I I wake up and this is just totally honest I struggle to get out of the bed some mornings during that phase I struggle to leave the house the only reason I do is because I need to go and I need to show up for patients and I'm really grateful for my patients because I feel like during that luteal phase, I wouldn't, I think I would just stay in bed if I could, to mm. be honest. Um, mm -hmm. It's a very difficult time for me. So balancing all of those, like you said, moving countries, working full time, trying to do all these self-care things, it's a lot. And maintaining my own personal well-being and having a marriage and having, you know, time for exercise, meditation, you know, all of these things do add up. And I think it just comes down to structuring your week. Um, so I like to sit down on a Sunday and I, th I think, okay, what phase am I in? Can I do more? Should I do less? Where can I fit these um, massages in? Where can I fit these cast oil packs in? Where can I do my exercise, my morning walks? Where can I fit all this in? And I try to be more um, flexible with that over mm. the years. I'm quite mm -hmm. a perfectionist. I like to do things properly and it has to go according to plan. But learning more about the woman, well, the, the menstrual cycle, I've learned that we need to be a bit more flexible, as you said. And that's the thing with, with um, that's just the difference between the energy levels between um, us and the men. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that that's the key, isn't it? Flexibility, um, adaptability and mm -hmm. listening to our bodies and, and giving ourselves the space to listen to our bodies. Because yeah. we can say listen to our bodies, but... You know, if you're working Monday to Friday, nine to six, you're driving there, back, commuting, whatever you're doing, jumping on a tube, getting back, trying to make time to make dinner, seeing the kids if you've got children, trying to have a dinner with your husband and catch up, wife, whatever. Um, it's really tricky. Um, 
but then I think I think the pandemic for me was the point where it gave me space to actually be like I understand my body more I understand why my PMDD is showing up I understand that I haven't been listening this is my body screaming to me and saying something's not going right in your life what are you doing you're not listening to me um so that kind of brings me quite nicely on to you know so it started off um having these endometriosis symptoms and then now you're kind of exploring um you know you've you've self-diagnosed PMDD and obviously you're very much on it anyway in terms of looking after yourself according to your cycle um Mm -hmm. but yeah so I mean where what sort of stage are you do you feel like you want to go and see a doctor for PMDD do you feel like you can manage that on your own how you know how how are you gonna like I guess see your journey how do you see your journey moving forward with PMDD and and living with it well I think that's where you can guide me a little bit more Mm. because you've obviously been through this so I have joined that Facebook support group and I've been mm-hmm. reading up and it's just really nice to know that I'm not alone in this. I'm, I knew that there was something going on with my cycle because I actually read one of my journals from 2019 and I wrote there, I'm feeling uh, really, really low today. And it's another one of those luteal phase days where I'm having issues in my relationship and it's really affecting my relationship. That was from 2019. So it's definitely been there for some time. And I remember in one of my previous relationships, my boyfriend at the time said to me, you're literally like clockwork. This happens every single month. And I was like, well, then you should expect it. If it's like clockwork, then why don't you expect it? Why are you still shocked that this happens every month? Mm. And I think I was so focused on the endo um, that I didn't, I didn't see that this was actually happening in the background as well. But I spoke to my mom recently and she says that when I was younger in teenage years, when I was still living at home, she says, I know I was on the pill then, so it was a bit different. But when I was off of the pill and I was still living at home, she said that I would just close off. I would shut her out. I would shut everyone out. I would literally just become a very different person. And it's almost like you can't control it. It's like you you say something, but you 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 know that it's the wrong thing to say but you say it anyway because you just oh my god yeah there's there's no there's no um filter almost it's like you just become I become a bitch when I'm in that time I mean I'm sorry to use that word but I really do feel and I feel so bad for my husband at this point he's so supportive and loving and he really is trying to understand and he's doing his research into it we've discussed going on to some form of medication Mm-hmm. Um, in the meantime, because I do feel like my symptoms have got worse since moving and that stress of starting at, at the new practices and really just trying to build a life here that has made the symptoms quite a lot worse. So we are thinking about doing that. I'm looking more at doing more natural stuff first and using that as a last resort. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm probably going to go down the psychology route as well just to see how I can manage that. However, PMDD is a it's a brain based condition from what I understand, and I think you can touch more on that. But it's not a hormonal um, issue. It's mm-hmm. it's a brain sensitivity to your hormonal fluctuations. Mm-hmm. That's so, exactly yeah. Yeah, so that's what makes it difficult, and that's where I don't feel like I have control because I can control my diet, I can control my lifestyle, I can control my sleep. Whatever I do in the day, I can control that, but I can't say to my brain, 
do you mind just not having like a bit of an issue at this time of the month? Like I can't do that. I wish I could. <laughs> but um, so yeah, it is really affecting me at this point. And I know something needs to be done. Mm. But I'm also looking into cryotherapy. So um, ice baths, I want to get one for the, the backyard. We have a small little garden. So um, I'm looking at getting one of those um, and just doing that every morning and seeing how that um, helps with my mental health. Oh, Obviously, incredible. magnesium as well. So you can see I'm trying to do everything natural. Mm-hmm. However, I am open to mm-hmm. going onto some form of antidepressants mm-hmm. just for the short term, mm-hmm. um, just to manage this and get a hold of it. Um, mm-hmm. But that is a last resort for me. I think, yeah, that's an important point. So listeners, you know, I'm a big advocate of alternative healing methods, but this is stemmed from a place where I was on HRT for five years for my PMDD symptoms. And then I also had a progesterone um, supplement as well because I still have a, a womb. Um, and so they needed to kind of give me those progesterone pills for 10, no, 10 days. But yeah, so I did that for five years and that was when I was living in London and I was really stressed out. I was working a really insane, uh, insanely fast paced job in like an advertising company where I needed to be like on it all the time. I was like the office manager of like five different businesses. It was like my first post-grad job and I needed to like, you know, never drop the ball. And at first it was really quite fun and great to be that person. But then, you know, during my luteal phases, I was just like overwhelmingly stressed, like so stressed. And I was just bottling it up and just pushing it down, pushing it down, pushing it down, pushing it down until one day it literally just like a volcano just erupted. And I just like, my husband and I were like, we're getting out of London, we're leaving here. We came back to Suffolk and yeah, okay. Um, You know, I was still on HRT for probably two or three years whilst I was in Suffolk. Um, And I only decided to come off that in the pandemic when I had enough time to explore, you know, different ways. And and we kind of sat down and reviewed that actually maybe I wasn't that much better with the medication, but it got me through a hard time. It really Mm -hmm. got me through a hard time. And there's nothing shameful about that. Um, And in your situation, absolutely. You know, you've moved to the other side of the world. Um, you're now finding yourself in so many different work situations. You're having to navigate working with comp- in a completely new practice with new people um, in a different culture. Um, so yeah, that is totally going to exasperate things. And it did for me. Um, it really, really did for me. And I hope I never get to a situation where I need to go back on medication for it. And, you know, I hope that fingers crossed if I'm able to have children and, um, you know, I do sometimes worry about the feeling after having a child, whether it will get worse, whether it won't. But I'm a big believer of PMDD is something for me that basically is like it basically when you're trying to ignore something in your life that's not 100 percent going right or you're not living authentically or if you are. So, for instance, I was working a job that I didn't really want to be doing. I was hating the commute every single day. Like the fact that I was getting on three different tubes and like full grown men were like pushing me out Mm -hmm. off the like, you know, the station platform so that they could push in front of me. Like that chipped away at my soul every day. And, you know, coming back and just mustering up the energy to go to M&S and popping in a microwave meal, like obviously my PMDD symptoms are going to be horrendous. You know, it's like completely obvious why I was in such a pit of 
you know, of of depression with it and self-deprecating thoughts and anxiety, all of it. But yeah, it kind of basically, it, it, it confronts you in the most horrendous ways and it shows up every single month until, <laughs> and I feel like for you, it's quite an extreme situation because you have moved country and, you know, that's nothing that you can do about that at the moment. And you need to kind of just like let it kind of settle in and find your feet in that situation. Um, and you're doing all of the most amazing things. So the fact that you're doing, looking into ice baths, you're doing the magnesium, um, you, you've got already eating cyclically, which is great. So, I mean, if at this point you still are suffering so bad where you can't leave the house, then absolutely. And there's um there's somewhere in London where are you based whereabouts in the UK are you based in Leeds in Leeds okay okay cool yeah I lived in Leeds for a bit actually um yeah Mm -hmm. I went to uni there but um I know in London there's a Chelsea and Westminster PMS clinic um Mm -hmm. they're really really good they're the first people that kind of listened to me and said yes you have PMDD how can we help you basically and that was the first kind of glimmer of light in a really dark situation. So mm-hmm. if you ever do get to that situation, anybody listening who uh, is kind of going through it as well, um, that is a really great place to go. And the way that you do that is you get your local GP to um, basically, I wrote them the letter and just told them all of my symptoms. I said, I found this PMS clinic, please, can you just let me go there and you know um, refer me there basically? And they did. Mm-hmm. So, and I think people go from all over the country. Um, also, International Association of Premenstrual Disorders, you can find like local uh, PMDD specialists and you've got the directory. So you can always look on there as well. Um, so that's definitely, and if that's something you need to transition out of a dark time, absolutely. As long as you're doing the work, you know, health-wise as well and looking at, at ways of eventually coming off those, I think, you know, that's that's a really great thing to do. But again, you know, people are living great quality of, qualities of life just being on them constantly. So I'm, I'm an advocate of what, as you were saying, with endometriosis, it's so unique to you as a person. Um, and I think it's the same with PMDD. It's not like I've had a conversation with this author, uh, Chloe Coldwell, and um, you should look her up actually, she we kind of bonded over PMDD and she's kind of got her symptoms down to like one day now um and back in her 20s was like when she was drinking loads and partying and going out on the scene in New York um and now she said that she's in such a better space and so there is it you I really do feel like PMDD evolves with you as a person um so it could just be that you're going through like a particularly challenging time right now and the fact that you have literally moved your life you know to the other side of the world is probably a huge factor as well so I think number one give yourself a little bit of a break with it um you're doing freaking incredible like the fact that you're doing all of this and you're coming on here today to talk about the fantastic work that you've done with your own endometriosis and the fact that you're you know looking after patients in your chiropractic clinic is is incredible so yeah from me today I think you're such an inspiration I'm so glad that you've been on today's show I really, really appreciate that. Thank you so much. And and like you said, the, those pills and medication, it's mm-hmm. there when you need it. And mm-hmm. I'm actually, like I do, I've changed my perspective. I'm grateful for the pill because it allowed me to be 
monotone if that's what you want if that's the word or on mute Mm -hmm. that's not a nice way to look at it but that's Mm -hmm. how I felt Mm -hmm. because it allowed me to just be the same every single day I didn't have to worry about any cyclical changes I could go to uni I could study I could do well in my exams and when I was ready I went off of that and then that brought me onto this journey so I think it's also a change in perspective Mm. I kind of I'm, I'm grateful for endometriosis because Like you said, if you don't do what you should be doing in terms of healthy living, your body's going to tell you about it. Mm. Your psoriasis was your body's last resort of please do something about this. And for myself, I remember looking into the mirror and just seeing, you know, acne on my face and I would never leave the house without makeup. And I got to the point where I said, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And my body is shouting at me. It's literally, and my patients, that's why they come to me as well, because their body starts to shout at them and they need that external help. So I don't know where I was going with this, but um, I'm grateful for endometriosis. It kind of, it forces you to live a good lifestyle and that's going to show and it's going to show up in other aspects of your life. It's going to help with your sleep. If you you prioritize your sleep, your nutrition, your diet, your exercise, your self-care, it's going to help you in every single day, every every aspect of your life. Mm. So it's just a change in perspective. I am grateful. Um, It's just the PMDD to tackle now, but I suppose... Mm. The endometriosis is uh, managed for the most part. My symptoms are still there. I still do get symptoms. The first two days of my period are horrendous and I just deal with it. I just do what I need to do and I get through that. Um, so, yeah, it's just tackling the PMDD now. Mm-hmm. And you will. You really will. It really will. And it can feel like, you know, so isolating. Um, but now that, you know, any any listeners out there, um, you know, I used to have a, a moody girl group for it, but now it's kind of shifted a little bit. And I signpost anyone who wants to particularly get, you know, specific um, PMDD help, please uh, go to UK PMDD support, um, mm-hmm. which is on Facebook. They're, an, they're a closed group. Um, amazing, amazing group of, of people in there who can help you um, through really dark times. Um, but yeah, so I think, you know, you have been so refreshing to speak to. Um, I love how honest you've been about your story and your journey. And it also shows that, you know, as we evolve, different things can show up in our lives. And it doesn't mean that that's going to be with us absolutely forever. You know, you've you've already proven from the past that you had endo. That was horrendous at the time. And now you've already reached a point where you're living with it comfortably. Um, and as you say, PMDD is the next one to tackle. Um, and also, I really love that you feel grateful for um, endometriosis. And in a way, I feel as though I am weirdly grateful for PMDD because it's like something that is like the monkey on my shoulder when I'm basically doing things that I shouldn't be doing. Um, you know, whether it's in the past being in a toxic relationship whether it's, you know, going out and binge drinking and talking shit all night with people that aren't actually going to be good for, you know, my future or, um, you know, working a job that I've hated or so many different things. And PMDD will show up in the most, you know, confronting way. And I'd be like, okay, right. Yeah, actually. And when I'm doing things that are more aligned with my soul, 
then the PMDD symptoms ten, tend to be much more minimal. Um, and I th- and I feel like for me, that's the secret. That's my own personal journey with it. Some people may think that's crazy, um, but that's just my personal opinion on it. Um, so, yeah, so thank you so much. I mean, is there anywhere? I'll put your um, Instagram and everything um, in all the show notes and everything. Is there anything you'd kind of like to say to the audience, anyone who's suffering with endometriosis right now? Maybe they're at the initial stage in their journey um you know and that's kind of me as well um so if you have anything any I guess last words to say on endo I think the most important thing is to get the diagnosis because it does there are overlapping symptoms for other conditions so you need to know what you're dealing with and I know that the stats say on average it's about seven and a half years that it takes to get a diagnosis because of the host of different symptoms so the first thing I'd recommend is that you get the diagnosis and um, you have someone guiding you through that whether that is I want to go you know life is too busy it's too stressful I need to have a quick fix right now that's perfectly fine go for the surgery with the doctor who's a specialist in excision surgery I know that there's two different options you get excision surgery and then laser surgery the laser I could be wrong here though, but the excision tries to eliminate all of the endometrial cells and there is a chance that can come back. So that would be my advice is go for the surgery if you need to be on put onto the pill just to manage your day to day. If that's your option, go through somebody who has um, a special interest in that and who can support you through that. Because the worst thing that you can do is to find a gynecologist, for example, who doesn't understand that or who brushes it off. I think that's the, the first advice. If you are wanting to go the more natural way, like you said, the GPs, they don't have the time to go through a two-hour intake form with you. Unfortunately, this is a private thing that you need to do and to find somebody as you've, you found yourself with your herbalist, my functional medicine doctor, you know, there are people out there who can guide you through this. It's going to cost you a bit more. But my saying is you pay now or you pay later. So mm. pay now, get the good treatment, get the good stuff, get everything going and have the support through that journey. And I think I'd also like to end off with listen to your body. And I know that's very cliche, but your body will talk to you. It will use acne, bloating, painful periods. It will use all of these as ways to communicate with you. And it's about how you interpret that and how you make those changes. Because I think I was ignoring my body and it sounds like from your side for a long time, we were living in this I think a nice word is perpetual productivity. So you go, go, go. You're just pushing, pushing, even though you're in that luteal phase and it literally destroys you until you get to that point where you cannot do it anymore. And again, it just erupts. So try not to get to that point. Mm -hmm. And just know that there is support out there with whatever way you want to go down, there is support out there. Um, And I'm happy, you know, with my Instagram page, I've kind of used it as a platform to educate people um, about cycle awareness. And I've I've called it cycle-centric because I feel like we need to have our um, menstrual cycle at the center of our life. Because if we don't, we're going to fall into that uh, perpetual productivity. So we need to just try and honor that and work with our cycles and not against our cycles and listen to what our body is saying to us oh yeah wow thank you so much um for finishing on that i think that's such incredible advice um and yeah it's been brilliant to talk i feel like it's gone so quick (laughs) i know 
um so fast (laughs) I know um so yeah it's felt really natural um chatting with you today and yeah I commend your openness on on your own story and and I think the the audience will really benefit from it so thank you so much for joining us today um and I can't wait to release it Yes, of course. It was such an honor to speak to you today. I've been so excited about this and just to inspire women out there. You know, people almost think I'm too open and honest, but I'm just a human being. I think with my knowledge of the body, I'm just like, well, it is what it is. This is a Mm. symptom and this is what it is. When I first had, for example, the blood in my stool, that was quite a big thing, but then I got over it. and, And I tell people, they're like, wow, how can you be so honest? But it is what it is. Uh, mm. We're all human beings. And the more open we can be about these things, the more women will understand that this is pretty normal and what's a normal symptom to have. Nothing to be ashamed of. So I think it's just, again, a change in perspective and just being open with your own body as well. I love that. Love that. Let's be more open, people. I think that's a note to take from today's show. Let's be more open about what we're going through because it will make life so much easier um if you know even a colleague and maybe it's not something to bring to a colleague table but you know somebody else at work you know a close girlfriend or you know you can be open about these things and if it if it seems like it's too much then it might be too much for them but it's definitely not too much for us um so thank you so much for today um the sun is shining out there is it shining in leeds Yes, it's a beautiful day today. A little bit windy, but it's a beautiful day. So we're definitely heading out. <laughs> oh, amazing. Well, yeah, thank you so much for today. Um, have a lovely day in the sunshine. And um, I'm so looking forward to releasing the episode with you. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you to Brittany for being so open about her story. I've never understood why menstrual health and premenstrual conditions have felt like subjects that are surrounded with such shame and are off limits to bring up. Why is this? Why can we not be open about how much our lives are affected by a menstrual cycle? It's imperative we create more of a conversation around these subjects so people feel less alone and can start looking for help in the right places and for society to develop a deeper understanding of what people are going through on a daily basis. If I had my way, workplaces and schools should be one, educating from a young age on these conditions, and two, creating menstrual supportive environments that nurture the fluctuations of menstrual cycles to empower women and AFAB individuals who can then show up to work as their most authentic and healthiest selves. If you'd like to find out more on Brittany's work, you can contact her directly at cycle underscore centric. As always, you can keep up with what I'm up to, at Moody Girl Official. You've been listening to the Moody Girl Podcast. Until next time.